0: welcome to the t2 hubcast with me martin johnson
1: and me benice Cassidy.
0: benice how are you
1: i'm very well how are you
0: good thanks good Good. you've been busy
1: super busy i think last month there was um there was only one week where i was actually in hull um so yeah out and about doing all sorts of different things it was good
0: good good and how how far into your t2 journey are you now
1: um, so this is month six, I six. think. Six. It
0: feels like you've been here far more than six yeah, months. Yeah,
1: it does. It does feel like much, much longer. So it was end of March I joined.
0: And I think that's because um, because of your experience in learning and development and in the industry, you hit the ground running really quickly. So you was almost like taking on clients and doing sessions within month one. So it's like you've been doing five months of, uh, of delivery and that that was because you you got up and running quickly i think
1: yeah i think for me the the biggest change was switching from um designing my own content and delivering it to then learning someone else's content and learning lots of their good t2 models as well and then taking that forward
0: well you're doing remarkably well b um and it's nice to get you in the office before your next trip um stroke gig to do a podcast and um One of the things I've been doing a lot on lately is performance auditing. Mm -hmm. We'll explain a little bit more in simple terms what we mean by that. You're going to do a bit of it with a client coming up. So we thought, right, let's get in the podcast room and talk about what is it, why is it important, and what do we see in those who do it well versus those who don't or struggle. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, uh, the vast amount of our clients don't do it at all. Yeah, Honestly, they don't do it at all. They've got no sort of consistent, regular or um, effective way of managing, auditing and measuring performance.
1: Yeah,
0: And then they wonder why they struggle when they have to have some tough conversations with people around why it's not working out or what we need more of because we haven't been fair in the first place of actually letting them know how we're measuring them and what success looks like. Mm. So, performance auditing it sounds like a It sounds like a HMRC type thing, doesn't it? (laughs) But you're getting audited. But um, performance auditing is around how do you effectively review, track, measure, review, and audit someone's, an individual's performance, a a human's performance in the workplace. And um, my view and our experience is simplicity with this beats complexity. Because you've worked in l and a long time, being and I'm assuming you've seen all sorts of competency frameworks, 50-page documents, yeah. small print, and w- we wonder why people don't engage with that.
1: Yeah, I think um, a lot of HR um, functions really struggle to get the balance right when it comes to performance because it can sometimes be very much HR-led. Um, and it's a whole big huge ginormous full page form and that completely takes over from the conversation and actually reviewing that performance but then some organisations they think right okay we don't want to do that so they take a step back um, and it's very much the the organisation, the managers and the leaders have the freedom but the likelihood is then without that kind of little guidance from HR nothing happens um, because that they're not being they haven't got the guidance in place so some people it's a case of it's too much or too little at all so nothing happens
0: yeah you're right and and so we've developed a toolkit and a methodology that some of our clients use that simplifies the process but still is robust enough Mm -hmm. to be able to give some real clarity on expectations and a scoring system and a regular review system that allows both the recipient and the manager or leader to form this ongoing collaborative process of reviewing how well they're doing and what is required of them. Um, And in turn, we'll talk about it at the end, but this then feeds into career plans. It feeds into reward and recognition. It feeds into honest conversations if they're needed. But it's a bit more robust than just the manager's observation of how someone is getting on. Yes. Which is, it, it absolutely flabbergasts me, Be how still that is very common in today's.
1: Why do you habits. think that happens that so many businesses and organisations don't take the time to re- review and audit performance? Really good
0: question. I think, number one, people are busy. Yeah. So you, you, you just get caught up in the day-to-day of doing what you do. And you haven't got time for filling in performance audit documents and having hourly discussions on where we're heading and expectations, you're fighting fires and you're doing ops and you're delivering your product or service or you're dealing with customers or whatever it is that you do, you just get caught up in the sheer doing that you don't take time
1: Mm -hmm.
0: to do it. I think that's a massive reason. Yeah, Um, And also part of that is the psyche, the psychology around the amount of value you place on uh, doing performance reviews and individual development plans versus doing a customer proposal or, yeah. or or fighting that fire or you know whatever it might be, you don't place the value on it because you think, oh, that's all fluffy and that's all futuristic stuff. And that's all, this is the real in the here and now and I've got more things to be doing with my time. Yeah. And that's the biggest mistake people make because actually the value on doing some type of, scene setting and clarity around expectations and performance is the most valuable time you will ever spend as a leader in the long term. Yes. Because then you won't be fighting those fires Mm -hmm. in the future. You won't be getting your hands sort of in the weeds. You won't be be consumed by the workload if you've got a highly functional team who are all performing optimally. Yes. If that makes sense. So I think that's one of the reasons. Um, I think the other reason Um, would be I don't think people know how.
1: So even
0: even where there is a desire to spend the time doing it, I think knowing how to do it properly and engaging those conversations properly is still very alien and very you know, uncertain for managers?
1: I think it brings a lot of anxiety to some managers, especially managers who have maybe had bad experiences in the past, um, either from kind of how their performance has been managed or if they've never had any development or guidance on how to even have that type of conversation. So then the result is HR think, oh, well, we need to help everyone and give them guidance. And then that's where the is huge Form comes in, and that takes over, so that's and that's
0: because for years it's been done so poorly, yeah that the perception of it both on the recipient and the manager's side at times can be this isn't about enabling performance and measuring performance and coaching and developing people to greater careers. This is about big brother micromanaging having a a, a history of of um of evidence that if I have to pull the trigger and get rid of you, I can. Yes. So the so so the intent is not understood from the outset. I mean, if you remember, I, I still think some people call it that now, but back in the day, it was called PIP,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Performance Improvement Program. Yeah, it's like already it sounds like I'm under the microscope. I'm yeah. under the spotlight, and if I don't get this right, I'm out. So there's a real, you know, a real. There's been a positioning piece that we've got wrong for years for me around managing performance. Um, and you know, with what we're saying here, you've got an opportunity to turn that perception round if you get it right from the start. Yes. So let's transition into our model and what we work with customers on and how we simplify it. Um, the first thing is, is the, I use the word performance auditing. I would never ever use that with, as the actual brand Mm -hmm. with the person. Yes. I would use it as a terminology for you as a manager to understand what you're trying to achieve here. You're mm-hmm. trying to measure, audit, improve, and coach high performance. Yeah. Um, You could call them individual development plans. You can call them performance plans, even though that has a stigma with it, performance plan. Yeah. You can call them um, performance improvement tools, whatever it might, whatever you want, right? You can brand it how yes. you want. It's got to be something that you and the recipient can engage with, Um. So I think the branding and positioning of it is important, mm. needs thinking about. Number two, I think you need to, traditionally, we've always measured objectives. Yes. KPIs, that age-old that age old term of KPIs, key performance indicators. I like to call them objectives, which are in your job, for your role, what are the objectives you need to achieve? Mm. So as a consultant B, if I was giving you objectives, yeah. your objectives were, as a consultant, what do you need to do? Well, you need to maintain a high standard of delivery to customers. Mm-hmm. And, and if I can measure it, even better. And I'd, so I would caveat that or put an extra line in that says, scoring a minimum of 4.5 out of 5 on your client feedback surveys yeah. every single time. So we can measure that. Yeah. Every quarter, we can say, how are you getting on with your delivery, B, Because actually, number one objective and we'd look at your monthly scores through, say, 10 cohorts and 150 people. And if you're a 4.7 out of 5, me and you are high-fiving.
1: I think at the minute I'm
0: a 4.9. So 4.9. <laughs> so she's well ahead of the target. Um, if you was a 4.5, that's the thing I've said, I'd go yeah. great. If you was a 4.4 4 or 3, I don't think we'd be having a disaster conversation. Mm. But what we might be going is going, what's dragging your average down there? Yeah. Um, And we could maybe hone in on some areas of your delivery that might we could offer some coaching on. Most importantly, objectives are based on your role. yeah, And they are, if where we can, using the smart analogy or whatever you want to use, measurable, achievable, realistic, all of that type of stuff. But um, they are unique to you and your job role. Yes. But there's another side of the fence. Mm. Behavioural. This is the one where people get uncomfortable. They, every, do you know what amazes me, Ben? I I'll bring you in because I'd be interested in your view on this. Everybody talks about they want a great culture.
1: Yes, they do. We want
0: to improve culture. We want to improve behaviors. But they very rarely set any form of measurement expectation around them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think then this is the challenge that they'll always have of how do we change the culture? This is the type of culture that we want to create here. But if you've never given any kind of understanding or clarity of what it is that you're actually looking for, then how can you ever expect to achieve it um, if people don't have that understanding of what is it that I need to do in order to create or bring myself to this team in the best way so that we can reach those objectives? Um, and I think that's one that many organizations, they just. They talk about it, and that's another one that quite often gets put aside because it's fast-paced, because it's busy. We know that we need to focus on behaviours, but at the moment, um, it's, just, it's just not the right time, so nothing happens. And we only focus on performance, objectives. Conduct is another one as well that sometimes gets referred to. Um, what does that look like? And that I think even just the terminology there doesn't set a good tone no. as well.
0: And I think you're right. The time, dedicating the time to it is not always given. But I also think people, I'll be honest, I think people are scared of addressing behaviors. Yeah. I think people are hesitant and nervous around saying to another adult human being in the workplace, this is how we expect you to behave. Mm -hmm. And as we're going on generationally and as a society, this whole empowerment, diversity, allow people to be who they are.
1: Yes. And listen, I'm a
0: massive advocate for all of that, this, as you know and as we know. But it's sort of rubbing out and drowning out our ability and confidence to go. But there are some expectations around your behaviours in the Mm -hmm. workplace. Yeah. And, And people are fearful of addressing it or fearful of the backlash of what that might mean. So I think the easy option is to say, well it's easy to set some objectives around your job role, so we'll just do that. But then what we do is, because we're not clear on our expected behaviours and you've got hundreds of people in your organisation, you're allowing everybody to behave differently, to conduct themselves in different ways, and we wonder why we have a lack of consistency and we struggle to create that culture, that camaraderie, because people, we've got 100 people all perceiving situations and behaving and responding and reacting to things in different ways. Yeah. So I'm, I absolutely implore anybody out there listening to this to say, if you're doing any type of IDP, performance plans, um, measurement process of performance, you have to make sure that you are setting expectations around objectives
1: yeah.
0: and behaviours
2: please consider leaving a five-star review on your favourite podcasting platform. It only takes a minute and your feedback is greatly appreciated. Reviews help other people find the show and learn about the amazing topics we cover. Additionally, please turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. And finally, please subscribe or follow the T2 Hubcast if you haven't already. Doing this means that you'll automatically receive new episodes as soon as they're released. Thanks so much for your support.
0: Question for you, B. Do you think, like, we talked about objectives being unique to each role. So if you're a consultant, you'll have a set of objectives. If you're a customer service advisor, you'll have a set of objectives. If you're a marketing, uh, digital marketing manager, you'll have a different set of objectives. What about behaviors in a team?
1: So behaviours in the team, so that isn't going to be specific for every single individual. Um, It's a broad level kind of for this team, for this organisation, these are the behaviours that we expect. and That's how we can create that culture where everyone has the understanding that this particular behaviour or this particular quality, whatever it might be, that's what we expect. If we're all able to show drive or motivation, whatever it might be, then that's how we can foster that culture that we're trying, to, trying yeah,
0: to achieve. I agree. Behaviors should be consistent throughout everybody in the team mm. so that everybody has the same behaviors listed or expectations yeah. listed. What's unique to that individual is their objectives. Yes. That's where high performance occurs. Yeah. Because you're going to drive clarity and consistency over the behaviors which creates that culture. Yeah. Creates the consistency in the culture and you've got to pick them wisely. You can't just pluck them out the air and pick five behaviours and say them, it's got to yeah. be linked to your organized. Hopefully, if you're really good with your mission and your vision and your values yeah. and what, where, where you're heading and why and what as an organisation you're going to stand for, then you should be picking the behaviours that are going to deliver against that. Yeah. That's the first thing I'd say. I'd say no more than five. What drives me crazy is where we've got these lists of 28 objectives and 16 behaviors. Mm. And you're looking at a human being who's wired in a way, as we know, through profiling, who are who they are, and you're saying, I want you to uphold 24 objectives and 16 behaviors. No chance. No, too much. No chance. Stop it. Pack it in. (laughs) Honestly, it's like some people show me stuff and I just sink. It's like, no wonder you're not going to get buy in. My, My view is simple. No more than five behaviours, five objectives for each role. And you might go, well, this person has to do more than five things in their role. Yeah, I bet they do. We all do, don't we? But pick five winners. Pick the five big things that if that person does well, they are going to be largely successful in, the, in their endeavour. Yeah. Because a human being can engage with three to five things. If I say to you, right, I've got five expectations behavioral for you, but everything else just bring you. Yes. Just bring you the weird, the wonderful, just bring you. But I want you to help me with these five because organizationally it's important. I think I've got a fighting chance of getting you on board with that.
1: Definitely. I would also agree kind of anything more than five, it just gets a little bit too much. I think some organizations um, in regards to objectives, they try and go for like six or seven. Um, I think even when you get kind of past that and get closer to 10, as you say, it's way too much. Um, And also as well, it's, these objectives, they, these are the things that we need to achieve in order for us to kind of reach that kind of um, overarching end goal. So if that end goal is really clear and what it is as an organization, what we need to achieve, we shouldn't have. 10 plus objectives just for one person it just because that's then where you have objectives for the sake of objectives and I've seen some organizations before where they've got so many objectives that actually this person here in this team their objectives almost kind of counteract the objectives of someone else in another team so it needs to be nice and simple so 100% agree no more than five.
0: You won't mind me sharing, but your objectives as a consultant here at T2 is you have got to uphold world-class delivery to your customers. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously a given. You've got to create quality content for customers where it needs a slight custom build. Mm -hmm. Number two, so delivery one, content two. You've got to record quality video and podcast material for our platform. Yes. Which you're not doing too bad on (laughs) in this podcast, but that's really important because, you know, uh, making sure we have world-class content is incredibly important for our customers. So, um, and you've got to support sales and client services with proposal generation and contract conversion Mm -hmm. because ultimately... You're the consultant who needs to scope out what that client needs and be largely responsible for bringing our solution alive in the mind, yes. right? So there's four objectives straight away that I think if you did do all four of them, you're doing your job incredibly well. You're an asset to the company. Yeah, there's four things: deliver well-class experiences, create well-class content, record video and podcast material for the for the platform and support client services with conversion yeah. Four things that a good consultant needs to do, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, you could break that. So for example, the first one delivery, there's about five objectives under that, but we've, we've, we've encapsulated it in one. Yeah. So for example, if I was to break delivery down, you've got delivery of training sessions, you've got delivery of one-to-one coaching sessions, you've got delivery of virtual webinars and virtual onlines, you know, you, you've got speaking yeah. engagements. Right. So you've got all, but it's all delivery. Yeah. You've just got to make sure that when no matter what engagement you're delivering, it's world class. Yeah. Whereas if we, you know what I mean? So you can make 14, 15 objectives, four or five big ones, and just have the clarity in the synopsis, if that makes sense. So no more than five, please, if you can. People can engage with that. Um, And you've got more chance of buying. So let's say you have five objectives and five behaviors or five expectations around behavioral KPIs. We're gonna review it every month Mm -hmm. and then we're gonna do a scoring system. Yeah. So me the manager, I will score you on your objectives because if I've been smart, excuse the pun. (laughs) If I've been smart, they are measurable, achievable, you know, realistic, etc., time bound. Um But I can give you an accurate score because the data will lead me, or the evidence will lead me to, like when you just said, I'm a 4.9 out of five on my delivery. That's a very quick conversation, isn't it? It's a very quick conversation because I go before our review. I go 4.9 out of five. Nothing more to say. Yeah. Apart from a massive well done, keep it up. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah. Next one. Um, So the the KPI should be measurable, which means I can score them relatively accurately. And take my opinion out of it. Yes. Or take some of my opinion out of it. Very
1: factual.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: Or it's a combination of my observations, opinions, but also it's backed up by yes, some measurements. Behavioural, however. Let's say I've set you five behavioural. Majority of behaviours are observational yeah. and opinion-based. Where you can have some... Stories, situations, examples that I can bring alive—it might bring a little bit of substance to it.
1: Yeah, but it can't be just down to the My, manager. Yeah, yes.
0: So I might say in that meeting last week, uh, B, I didn't think you showed open-mindedness um, when you was being defensive to this suggestion. Mm. So that might be an example where I can bring some evidence into it. But you might go, "I disagree. I thought I was just engaging in healthy challenge." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, behaviors are slightly more difficult than the objectives in the fact that they're not as, they are a bit more opinion and down to perception. Yes. So, what we would encourage on the behavioral side is that I score it Mm -hmm. and you score it. Yeah. In fact, I would think even on objectives, we do that. We do, we, we get the good practices, the manager will score it, but we invite the recipient, the team member, to also self score.
1: I think it's really important to have that kind of self-review as well. I think some organisations, they will do that. Um, Some organisations, it's just a recommendation. We recommend that you self-review prior to having this performance conversation. But again, time, people get busy so they don't do it. But I think that's really good from a manager's perspective. You get that understanding of this person. Where do they see themselves? I need to know that because I see where... I think that they are, but have we got someone who's lacking a bit of confidence or is this person maybe, do they think that they're much higher than what they actually and are? And generally,
0: this, here's a tip here, and, and people might resonate with this. By doing that, it creates this, what is your position versus my position? Are we aligned or are we not? Yes. So it's a really good starting point to open up the conversation. Generally, in my experience, high-performing people, the right people with the right behaviours are always more harsh on their self-score mm. than they are self-promoting. Yeah, And actually, I end up coming to those meetings where I'm like, no, you're miles better than that. Why are you scoring yourself down on that? Um, generally, that's the case. Whereas if someone feels slightly boxed into a corner or they're under pressure, yeah. the opposite can happen. They can start to over-justify and start to... Be a little bit more compatible with their analysis than maybe yours is. Generally, though, you might be entirely aligned, which yeah. is good. Yeah. But I think it drives a bit more of a discussion than the just one side, one opinion. Obviously, the manager and leader's opinion is important. It is. You're the hiring manager. You're the person in charge. Your feedback is important. Yes. Right. But a two-way uh, dialogue is is in, is far more productive in 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 most scenarios. So I would say use a 5 point likert scale the 5 point likert scale is 5 points of scoring numbers 1 to 5 mm-hmm. it's the simplest way to do it 1 is poor 2 is requires improvement 3 is satisfactory 4 is good 5 is excellent in any form of scoring for accuracy in psychology the 5 point likert scale, scale is the one you should be using yeah um and that then allows you to go right if it's a 1 we, we need to seriously have a conversation. Mm. If it's a two, it's not a complete disaster, but we definitely need to improve our performance. Three, you're performing to a level which is satisfactory and it's actually getting the majority of the job done. Could it be better? Absolutely. Let's yeah. work on just making that performance even better. Four is a good place to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Everyone would love to be fives, but where do you go if you're a five on everything? Yeah. I mean do you ever get to a 5 How properly
1: I always maintain
0: that I know yeah so four's a good place to be because it means you 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 you're definitely performing to a to a good standard but there's some headroom there's some headroom to push on and find even more yes. and that's quite an exciting place to be I think uh, fours are very common I think in 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 my scoring because yeah. Although if someone is generally is a five, there is a five. But like you say, the next month they might have had a really tricky month and they've dropped back down to a four. Yes.
1: Because
0: they've not managed a situation very well or they've been a little bit irritable and triggered this month or whatever it might be. So five point like scale is a really simple and easy way to do it. Get yeah. them to do it, you to do it, then you have the conversation. Yes. Yeah. Um so let's just recap where we're at. Performance measurement and improvement and review, whatever you want to call it, has to have some rigor. Mm-hmm. And to have some rigor, you have to have a simple model. We advise that you need to have uh, expectations around objectives and behaviors. Yeah. Because then you're going to drive consistency in the culture and the behaviors you want to foster. And you're going to then measure them directly against how well they're doing their job. Yes, That's really important. No more than five. For simple simplicity, you can box a number, a, a bunch of them together under one umbrella if needed, but make sure it's simple to digest and to follow.
2: The next T2 Leadership Retreat will take place on the 7th to the 9th of May, 2024. To book your place on the ultimate leadership development experience from the People Performance People, or for more information, please visit www.trans2performance.com
0: what would, what would you say is the right cadence for reviewing performance b
1: so, monthly
0: quarterly
1: i think for a lot of organisations there's kind of the formal performance review so end of mid year and end of year yes yeah, so
0: that's your appraisal so Definitely. you've got a 6 month appraisal and a 12 month appraisal yeah
1: and then um, some organizations go bi-monthly for check-ins um, and or one-to-ones. I say at least once a month. And then when it comes to just general performance conversations, sometimes it might just be a simple five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and performance I think is often seen as it's a kind of um, specific things happen at specific time and date throughout that 12 months performance needs to be continuous I agree because people are always every single day someone should be working towards that end goal so therefore we always need to be making observations helping supporting guiding people to that
0: end I goal. agree wholeheartedly be I think I mean I'm I'm daily. Yeah. You've probably seen that yourself. It's like, you know, if I think some feedback would help here, mm. I aren't going to say, oh, I'll wait till my monthly review.
2: Yeah. Like, that happens. I know. It's so like, much. That's,
0: I think that's a, that's a sign of a transactional relationship between manager and employee. Yeah. Where you're going, hmm, I'll wait for our formal meeting to document that and feed that back to you. When you've got high trust and rapport with your colleagues and you're truly deploying it for the right reasons, which is, I want us to be better in everything we do and I want us to know how well we're doing and yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna be feeding that back in the moment. And yes, we can review it and unpick it a bit more at the end of the month if we yeah. need to, but let's drive continuous feedback and, and engagement throughout the months. And usually if you do that well, you'll find that your monthly meeting or bi-monthly meeting is 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. Because you've covered it all and we've already spoke about all of this, you do a bit of a review of the period, look at the scoring, set some objectives and we're off.
1: Yeah, I say to people um, so many times, um, that performance review or audit, whatever you want to call it, there should never be any surprises. And if there is surprises, then that shows that you've not been checking in enough. You've not been having regular conversations because this person comes in and they're completely shocked by whatever that score is. And
0: then that sets the tone for the the entire year's experience of them. People come to dread them because it's like, oh my God, what what's in Pandora's box here? What what's what have I done wrong this month that they're going to come out with? They've kept the cards close to the chest and I really don't know how this is going to go. If, if you've got a person in a team who feels like that, then you're getting it wrong as a manager or leader. Really? You are. If you're leaving them to a state of anxiety where they don't know what to expect. I mean, I... You could say, I over-communicate. I'm like, every day we're talking and tracking and checking and verifying and brainstorming how that went and what we could do differently next time. And and then by the time it comes to any one-to-one, I'm like, right, so four, five, three, four, four, I think if we free you up to do a bit more time, and we've discussed this already and we're well on track with that, and it's and.
1: That's how it should be, though. Yeah, yeah. no surprises, no anxiety. I remember um, quite a few um, years ago, early on in my career, it was the whole performance management cycle was very much kind of like that specific times. Um, Though it was quite a big team um, that we were working in. And it was always a case of when we knew that the manager was having the conversations, giving ratings and everything like that. It was almost a case of people would completely fixate on what that score would be um and people would be just so anxious for it just I was actually based in the the office with the manager everyone else was UK um UK wide and I remember everyone used to message me on Skype saying oh um was the boss today like I've got my review later and there was so much anxiety and nervousness and it was simply down to because that manager probably had too many people to manage in the first place um, that they weren't able to commit to having good, proper, continuous conversations. And I just look back to that situation and it was always like that. Every single time it got to kind of performance time, there was just so much anxiety and stress for so many people. Yeah,
0: making it a trust-based, high degree of rapport relationship with the intent behind it is to be the best we can be. Yeah. And I'm going to commit to coaching and developing you is where you want it to be. You don't want it to feel like this uh system of evidence and uncertainty and I'm under the microscope. Yeah. Same for objectives. And then you can literally on that grid, you can go 4.2 on performance, 3.8 on behaviors, you're in the nurture zone. Yeah. Or 2.2 on performance, 2.1 on behaviors, you're in the bottom left. Mm. You're in the you know, underperforming poor behavior zone. We call that the straight back zone. Um and you then it then just gives you that visual representation of the team, across your team. And it will guide you as a leader or manager to say, okay, how do I nudge this person across to the investment zone or to the nurture zone? What what do we need? What, what's scoring them down? What are the behaviors that have scored down? Let's revisit and target them and discuss in the one-to-one how we can you know, how we can improve them or or maybe it's an objective-based one. But having a simple system for ongoing performance and review is really important. And again, make it digestible, make it regular and make sure it's both objectives and behaviours. And I would say make sure the behaviours are consistent throughout. A couple of people have said to me, if you use the same five behaviours for everybody in an organisation, let's say it's a thousand people, Mm. And some people are in the factory shop floor, uh, heavily health and safety led, operative led, versus some people who are sat up in the office in the marketing team. Yeah. How can you have the same behaviours for them? Well, my answer to that would be this. I would definitely have the same three to five core behaviours that uphold the values of the organisation. Yes. But give yourself a bit of wriggle room on a couple of additional ones that might be more uh, pertinent to your function.
1: Yeah. So if you're an
0: operative on the shop floor, you might have the same five behaviours as everybody else, but you almost might have safety first. Yeah. Or a safety mindset or, I don't know, vulnerability, honesty. I don't know. Whatever it might be that will lend itself to being an operative on the shop floor. Yeah. Um And you might have a couple of different ones for sales because you're very target driven and, yes. you know. But try and at least share the same three to five throughout the organisation and give yourself a little bit, if anything, a bit of wriggle room to have some, a couple of additional ones that are unique to your team and your team's purpose. Yeah. I think good. that's okay.
1: Um, somewhere I've worked previously, so you had um, three values. Uh, so it was three values and then dependent, it was a huge organisation. So you're looking at kind of... Nearly 20,000 employees, so of course all of those behaviours are going to look different, but those behaviours had to align to those core values. Um, You might say those values were a little bit vague, Um, but you were able, I suppose because of that, you were able to align for every single role, no matter kind of where that person worked. So um, as an example, some of the guys that were working in customer experience and sales, they had really nice, clear behaviours that made it real for for them and how to deliver a great experience to their customers. That said my behaviours would have been completely different um but they still aligned into those core values so yeah i think you it's how you want to use those to you have your values and then the behaviours that you're looking at or um as you say are we going for kind of some shared behaviours and then the additional ones
0: well i think also as well you make a good point because with all of this the 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 reason it falls in and doesn't wash with workforces is is when you just cherry-pick behaviors with no explanation or direct correlation to how it's going to underpin and drive outcomes Mm -hmm. and you've got to do that so there's a great book called does it make the boat go faster and it's a real simple analogy but it was very objective based but it was a rowing team running up to and i think it was an olympics campaign and basically over four years they asked themselves the question whatever objectives we put into this workplace, mm-hmm. does it make the boat go faster? And if the answer to that was no, they're not going in.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's really easy to do when you're talking about training regimes, nutrition, aerodynamics, uh, whatever it might be, does it make the boat go faster? If the answer is yes, then it's an objective. Mm-hmm. And that's why objectives are so easy for every leader, manager and organization to define. If you're in sales, customer service, manufacturing, retail, digital, whatever you're in, finance, you can go, these are your objectives because it will make the boat go faster. It will make whatever you're here to do, it will help you deliver the outcome. So people buy into them. Behaviours, however, I think some people don't do a good enough job of following the same process with behaviours. They cherry pick like... They're going on a way off site. They do a bloody brainstorming session and they go, we want to have uh, authenticity and integrity and all the rest of it. Now, if I'm an operative on a factory floor and I say, you tell me how that makes me deliver 80 units a day. Yeah. Right. Unless you're willing to do that, it's not going to get bought in. They're not going to buy into it. Yeah.
1: And some people, they just don't even have that understanding of what it means. Sometimes it literally is just a word. It's just a word. I mean, um, the amount of organisations that will throw in um teamwork. But what does that mean? What does it actually look like? What am I specifically doing to show that I'm I work well as is it as is it, is it within a team?
0: Well, we discussed one of your uh one of the consultant behaviours on our model before we come into this room. Yeah. And one of them was resilience. And, you know, we know and we define resilience as a person's ability to return to their baseline state mentally and emotionally after they've encountered a challenge or a problem or triumph Mm -hmm. and reward. So what that means is whether you're experiencing these big peaks of reward and triumph or these troughs of triggers and emotion and challenges... As a consultant, you have to return to your baseline state pretty quickly afterwards. And the reason that that's so important as a behavior to your role is that you're delivering sometimes four times a week. The the client engagements come thick and fast. So if you go in on a Monday and you have a challenging group or you have a bad day, or, I mean, it's very rare because you're a 4.9. I know, come on, Martin. It, let, let's say you do, and you come back to the office and you're massively triggered and yeah. you're defeated. And at nine o'clock tomorrow morning, you're in with another client for another day. You have to air that, get it off your chest, deal with it, compartmentalize it, and you've got to get back to your baseline, show some resilience, get back to your baseline because tomorrow's gig yes. cannot be affected by the way... And if you didn't have the ability to do that, be and it not and there was a knock on effect into the next one and the next one, that four point nine starts to decrease. Yeah. So we expect you to learn about building your resilience, displaying a level of resilience as a behaviour. Yes. In order to be a good consultant. And because I can explain why that's important, you get it. Exactly. You don't just go and oh, he's telling me to be more resilient and he thinks I'm not resilient. You go no, it's really important for this job because you can't be knocked for too long right. On the contrary, let's say you have an amazing gig, and all the feedback is five out of five, and you're getting social media comments. B's amazing, Thank you so much. You just can't take your you know foot off the gas and 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 dine out on that. You've right. got another gig tomorrow, yeah, so enjoy it, yeah. enjoy the moment, bring yourself back down and let's prep and go again yeah. So resilience is your ability to return to baseline state. And I think as a behavior, that's really, uh, or an attribute, or whatever you want to call it, that's a really important thing to have as a consultant because you're so busy and every gig's different Mm. and you need to be the best version of you at the start of each one.
1: Yeah. And that's where you're doing it right rather than, I think sometimes with some organizations, when it comes to the behaviors... They almost think of it as very personal things. And this is where they worry, linking back to what you said at the very beginning of the um, podcast, um, they don't want to feel as though they're trying to force someone to behave a certain way. Or um, Whereas something like that resilience, that is, um, it's an attribute, isn't it? So that is something anyone can be resilient, no matter who they are or what their personality looks like, it shows up.
0: But because I've defined what we mean by it. Yes. And why it's important for the job role, I'm sort of saying to you is, is if you don't have this, you're not going to be able to succeed in your endeavors as a consultant. Yeah.
1: It's almost like the how to the um, objective. Yeah. So if I know that I need to kind of, um, I need to, deliver is one of my objectives and I've got all of these um, particular kind of stats that I need to um, hit and we know how I'm going to measure that, how am I going to achieve that I'm going to achieve that by having drive and I'm going to be resilient as well it needs to have that direct link
0: yeah whereas let's say you was a massage therapist and you worked in a, a spa all day long and you had a nice tranquil room and you had nice music and the smell of the aromas and you massaged people for a living would you need resilience as one of your core behaviors attributes no you wouldn't yeah. there's there's not many fluctuations in challenge and pressure of a massage therapist <laughs> what you might need is patience yes you might need self awareness you might need um i don't know all the things that are going to lend itself to giving a customer coming for a massage the best possible outcome they can yes. they can get yeah so so the point being is you you need to define what attributes and behaviours are going to underpin and drive the outcomes that person needs to do to deliver those objectives. Yes. And for you to deliver a f- 4.9 out of <laughs> 5 in delivery, yeah. you need resilience. Definitely. Because even though you're scoring highly, sometimes you know it's been a tough day at the office. Yeah. Or you added that tricky character in the corner who was challenging you a little bit more than you would have liked. Or you've just had a crap day on the road. And it took you you ages to get there. You was rushed at the start. You, it took you three hours to get home. You're tired. It doesn't always have to be a, a reflection of the actual um, feedback or, or the people involved in your training day. Yeah. It can just yeah. be you've had a day from
1: hell. Been sat sat on the M62 for four hours. <laughs> and you've got home, you
0: haven't eaten properly, you're tired and you've got to go again at nine o'clock the next yeah. morning. You need to be able to return to baseline by yeah. the next morning. Yeah. So it's important. Right, let's wrap this up because we could talk all day on it. It's really <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> performance management, measuring, improvement, performance auditing, just the ability to um, work with someone in the team and go, right, Here's how I'm measuring you or we're measuring you. Here's what success looks like, yeah. both objective-based for your job role and behavioral-based. That yeah. underpins that. We're going to review it regularly. We're going to apply a very simple scoring system. It's going to be a two-way communication. Yeah. Like, I'd like you to self-score and self-analyse each month as well. But this will be our flag on the hill. It will be what is our what allows us to gauge how well we are doing. Yeah it'll always also be something that we can you know wrap your career progression around your re- reward and recognition etc um and we're go- we're going to you know we're going to have honest conversations if we're underperforming but I am not going to miss the opportunity to praise and reward if we absolutely nail it and that's the that's the thing that people need to understand mm-hmm um keep them to five max yeah book bucket, quite a few under one if you need to
1: that's how you make it specific as yeah. well yeah yeah
0: for sure make the behaviors very specific to outcomes and apply some rigor and diligence and this is the final thing i'll say it's easy to bump these discussions because the boss wants you or because a meeting's come up um what is that saying to the recipient if you continue to cancel their reviews for other stuff? Well, they won't buy into it for a start. If you're not willing to take it seriously and buy into it, then they won't. Yeah,
1: there's something that has such an impact to so many people. Uh, when a one-to-one or a performance conversation gets cancelled, that sets the tone that this isn't this isn't isn't important.
0: And it is, and it's right, and it's think. Well, if you're not going to bother, why should I?
1: Yeah, performance is incredibly, is critical to any business. So if we're not having conversations about it, what are we doing? Exactly right.
0: Hopefully that's given our listeners food for thought. I think if you have a process in place at the minute and it sounds like that, well done. If you have a process in place at the minute and it doesn't sound like that, but you've got a process in place, then think about where you could bring in some of those elements to enhance it. And if you have no process in place, and be honest, yeah, because the many will, yeah, if you have no rigour or process in place, you must at least get started with simplicity. Definitely. Um, so think about some of the ways. And if you want access to our toolkit or some of our materials, please get in touch with us. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be posting more on this in the future. Yes. Benice castley thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Martin Johnson.
0: And we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast.
2: Are you a fan of our podcast? If so, make sure you're following us on all of our social media channels. You can find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter by searching Trans2 Performance. By following us, you'll have access to exclusive content, special announcements, and more. Join the T2 community today.